Thanks, Rick. That's awesome. I wanted to um, follow that up with uh, just a time of prayer for your youth and young adults in our church, in our community. And before I do, just wanted to take some notes um, and kind of prompt you this morning as we pray. Um, what are things that you heard or that you remember from when you were uh, maybe a youth or involved in youth ministry of some kind? What are things that you think we should be praying for? Uh, just say it out loud. You don't need to go into great detail, but just whether it's themes or, again, something that you heard from Rick, what are, what are some prayer points that we should focus on this morning? Courage. Courage. Awesome. Courage in a world that presents so many alternatives to the overarching truth of Jesus as Lord. How do we help and support young people to live into that reality and testify to that reality in a way that is caring and loving and winsome and where they have strong back but soft fronts and can have good conversations with friends and family members? What else should we be praying for for our young adults and students? Mm hmm. Sense of belonging. Biblical response to reconciliation. Maybe, yeah, even broader than that, like a deepening understanding of how to respond biblically to all of the pressure point issues, right? But yeah, certainly whether it's um, climate change or uh, perceived, um, uh, not perceived, but injustices by the church and perceived sense of remedies to how Christians navigate those spaces in the public and private square, for sure. Yeah, just deep wisdom to be grounded in Scripture, um, to make sure that they're, I often pray this for my kids, I want their default rooting to be Scripture first. It can be informed by other things, but I want them to be saying, how would God want me to engage and respond to this first and foremost, and allow that to be informed maybe by wisdom from the culture and not have that twisted around where we're allowing culture to set the pace and then we're looking for tack on some Bible verses or biblical themes. Um, anything else? Sanctification. Sanctification. That they would have a passion to grow into holiness, right? That the baptism is, is the starting line. It's not the finish line, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm baptized. I'm good now. Now I just kind of go into cruise control. But to say, like, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, Paul says that. E even to say, I actually am hungering a bit to share in the sufferings of Christ, if that would lead me into a deeper relationship. So a real passion to um, not just be saved, but to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And to be an example, right? Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers. And I love that because it presumes Paul's like, oh yeah, you could be young and actually be the spiritual leader of the community in terms of your example. So don't look at your youth or your inexperience as just some liability. God can do something powerful in your life. Anything else? Conviction. Conviction. Yeah, great, awesome. Wanting to be rooted in Scripture and to be going on that journey, I like the covenant's language, learning to be consciously dependent on, dependent on the Holy Spirit. Learning how to listen to God through his word, by his spirit, 
being attentive to the plans and purposes that God has for each of them. Yeah, and, that, that, and I just think that they would be given a big vision for the Christian life. Often, teenagers, young adults, by no fault of their own and by, sometimes by no fault of churches, you, you, don't, you, don't, you can only expose them to so much. But as they get older, they would have a grand vision for Christ and it would put a hunger and a thirst in their life to pursue that. And they would never get to a place where they're kind of like, yeah, I kind of feel like I know enough for most of it or yeah, it's good. And again, go into cruise control, but to say, I'm gonna strive forward. Okay, let's pray about those things. God, we lift up our students and young adults to you uh, and the ones that are emerging. You know, I'm at this camp and I'm seeing these kids run around and they're in grade six, seven, eight, nine. And they're right on that tipping point where they're gonna be moving out of childhood and into adolescence and being exposed to different ideas and different ways of being in the world. And there's gonna be different things that compete for their attention and their allegiance. And I just pray for all of the students that are impacted in and through the ministry of this church, you would give them courage. You'd give them courage to live for you. Give them courage to seek your face. Give them courage to trust and obey you even when other people around them aren't doing it, even if some of their Christian friends aren't doing it. That they would have an echo of Jonathan Edwards' uh, commitment that even if no one else is serving God, I will and that they would live from that kind of faithfulness. And we just pray that they would also experience a real sense of belonging and that you would teach those of us who are older, uh, parents, grandparents, spiritual parents, aunts and uncles, extended family within the family of God, that you would teach us and show us little ways that we could just increase their sense of connection and belonging so that they don't feel like there's kind of like the real church and then there's this youth ministry wing over here, that they would feel welcomed and integrated and we'd be praying for them and encouraging them. God, you'd give them a strong grounding in scripture and that they would be excited to move into some of these areas of deep tension where on the forefront right now, issues of reconciliation, that they wouldn't settle for our culture's definition of reconciliation, but they would push through and say, What does this look like when it's rooted in Jesus' love and grace? And allow scripture to challenge them and to be people who aren't just trying to protect themselves of the culture, but through their faithfulness are actually changing the culture and changing the script and showing a different way and bearing witness to what reconciliation in the name and grace of Jesus looks like. And God, for conviction and sanctification, that they would grow that honestly, God, in ways that really mattered, that they would put us to shame. That we would have to kind of up our own game because we see them honestly, authentically pursuing Jesus and a grand vision of Jesus and a grand vision of what discipleship to Jesus means for their life. And as we interact with them, that we would be humbled and it would light something in us. Uh, Maybe fires that have gone down to an ember but through their witness and their faithfulness, they would set an example and they would kind of fan the passions of our hearts into flame. God, I just pray that you'll prosper Rick and all the leaders in the ministry that they do in and through this church. It's so awesome to be part of a church that really at the end of the day kind of is is the youth discipleship program for the whole city. And we commit that ministry to you, God, and ask that you would bless it, that you would advance it, that you would expand it, 
and that we would all look for ways that we can support what is happening in and through it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, I'm going to read three scriptures that I'm going to be talking through today. And today what I've done is I'm going to do a little bit of reflection and teaching, take some time out for prayer, reflection, teaching, prayer, reflection, teaching, prayer, into communion. So I will be inviting you to share and um, allowing that to kind of form times of prayer as we move through. So let me start with reading these verses. Joel 2.25, I will repair, sorry, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Hosea 6.1, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. And then Matthew 12, 20, a bruised reed, he, speaking of Jesus, will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. One of the questions that I've gotten again and again and again over this pandemic, I'm sure you have too, and it's had a little bit more import given the context of the pandemic, has been, how you doing? Or how's your family doing? Or how are you guys doing? And this has been a year where I've tried to not reflexively just respond with like, oh good, we're fine. I've tried to pause and think about how I'm actually doing and give a bit more of an honest answer when people ask that question. So what I notice is that my answer has kind of evolved. At first, for many, many months, my go-to response was, I'm hanging in there. And that felt like honest to me. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm killing it and just crushing it and doing amazing, but I also don't feel like I'm bottling, uh, bottoming out. I'm, I'm treading water, I'm keeping my head above water, we're hanging in there. Sometimes you'd have a good week and then it would be a really challenging week and you feel like there's some slippage in different areas. But overall, I'm hanging in there. And then, um, kind of in January, sometime in the new year, I switched to saying, um, I'm doing okay, I think. Because it had been almost a year at that point, and I was like, I've never been through a pandemic before, so I have nothing to base it off of. But as I talk to other people, and as I look at different domains of my life, I think I'm doing okay. But over the last month, it shifted again. And what I noticed is when people would ask me the question, I would pause for a long time, like 30 or 40 seconds. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I was like, how am I doing, or how was my week, or how are things going, and I'm kind of staring there, and I think people got weirded out, because, you know, you're kind of expecting just a, how you doing, Jeff? Good, great, okay, let's move on, right, and here I'm standing here like a statue, like I've been stunned into silence, and I realized what I need to start saying to people now is, I'm tired, like I'm definitely tired, I can feel it in my body. I have kind of diminished enthusiasm. And I noticed it especially when in June they said, hey, churches can regather. And I was so excited. And then at the same time as June unfolded, and I knew it wasn't going to be like our whole church getting together in two services, and we're not singing, and it's, you know, muted with our masks in different ways. But I was just like, oh, this is so kind of just lame. I, I do not like this. And I loved that there were some people who were like, oh, it's so great to be back, I love it. And I, I took great encouragement in that. 
But for me, it just felt like there's still something missing. I had a hard time focusing over the month of June, uh, really being overwhelmed at times when I think through what are all the things that I feel like need to be strengthened and resumed to kind of move us forward as a church over the coming months. And last week's message and reflection on how Jesus rehabilitates us, that connected with me at a pretty personal level because I feel like that's what's been going on in my own soul, that I need rehabilitation. I'm not just tired because I'm um, just tired. I actually need repair. There's certain things that, I, that have happened to me over the pandemic that I now realize and God is showing me, you need to allow me to rehabilitate this area of your life. And that's caused me to go back and search the scriptures that speak to these moments of how God brings hope and repair and restoration into situations that are really, really challenging. And I've been looking for guidance on how to do that personally, but then you sort of have a double role as a pastor to say, okay, and now I gotta put on my pastor hat, as it were, and say, how do I do that? And how do I help guide our community into that same process? Because as I've talked to more and more people, uh, I think, not everybody, but the general theme is people are tired. They're tired of the pandemic, they're tired of certain routines, they're tired of restrictions. Um, even if you're in full agreement with them, there's just this fatigue that has happened. You're tired of feeling disconnected and being able to reconnect, but in a limited way, everything just feels um, awkward at times and not quite how you'd want it to be. And there's just this um, death by a thousand pinpricks of disconnection and fatigue that begins to set in. And the three scriptures that came to my mind uh, this week especially were these ones from Joel and Hosea and Matthew, right? You have Joel 2.25 where in a season of exile and loss where God has allowed his people to come under judgment because of their disobedience, he holds out this amazing promise where he says, I, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You had this harvest, it was taken from you, it looked like it was stolen from you, and, you know, worldly mathematics would say, like, that's lost, that's gone. And God says, I will restore that, I will repay you. I can make it up in kind of my divine economy. And I thought, that's something that I feel like I need to hear, because not in every way, but in some significant ways, I feel like this pestilence stole a lot of important ministry, especially as it relates to in-person connection and worship and discipling people over the last year. And then in Hosea 6.1, strong, uh, this, this is language with an edge, but I think it's still important for us to hear. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. And we need to acknowledge that this language sounds like um, it's presenting God as if he's some kind of uh, malicious, uh, uh, mood-swinging deity who just decides one day to hurt people and then, oh, I'll help you though, right? And this abusive relationship. But almost every commentator, Jewish and Christian, says this is the language of surgery, of injury that is designed to move into the body to facilitate a deeper healing. We don't think of surgeons as tearing us to pieces or cutting a hole in us, right? We, we think of it as a very precise thing. 
But what we're seeing here is God saying, I actually want to facilitate a deeper healing. So I'm going to have to wound you. I'm going to have to allow certain things into your life, but I am going to bind you up. And in the same way that a surgeon injures us in order sometimes to get us to the place where now we can begin rehabilitation, I thought that's what I've experienced God doing in my life over the last year and a half. He's doing a kind of surgery. He's injuring me through events and circumstances. But sometimes you can't actually move into rehabilitation, like I talked about last week. You actually have to have surgery first, right? You gotta kinda reset the bone and then rehab begins. And then the last verse that, where it talks about Jesus fulfilling this prophecy out of Isaiah that a bruised reed, he, the Messiah, won't break. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. It points to this heartbeat that we see in the Gospels of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. That he has a special heart for the bruised and the battered and the weakened and the vulnerable things. And God delights in cradling those people in places of vulnerability and restoring and rehabilitating them back to life. So you have this theme that cuts through these verses for me of God's restoring grace and restoring compassion for weak and vulnerable things, that God delights in restoring and rehabilitating things back to life. And that's a promise that I need to, needed to really steep in as I'm moving back into normal life where things are opening up but I still feel like there's a lot of work to be done in my own soul and within our church. And I wanted to put these verses before us today because I think there's a lot of people feeling weak and vulnerable within our community, maybe not in the totality of their lives, but maybe, I think definitely some people are who have shared with me, but they're feeling weak in certain areas. It could be in a relationship, in, in terms of their own mental health, it could be in their marriage, it could be even in their own faith and questioning certain things that they've never questioned before or new doubts that are arising. And I want you to know that there is real hope if you turn to Jesus during these times of vulnerability and weakness. There's real, real hope. And even though our church is weakened, that we are kind of slowly building back up, but we're doing so from a place of having been weakened and are vulnerable because of this disconnection for a long time, there's real hope for us too. So let's take a moment and pray using these verses as our guide for our church, for each other within our church. So I just want to focus it on our church. And what I would invite you to do is quietly where you are, take one or two or all three of these verses and just pray through the themes and connect them to our church. So for example, you could just say, you know, for the last one, um, God, I pray for all of the bruised reeds in our church. People who maybe feel like they can't share their burdens, or they're feeling really alone, they're feeling really beaten down, would you just restore them? So just pray, pray quietly where you are, and after um, a few minutes, I will kind of close in prayer. But I invite you to use these as kind of a plan to pray. It could be a word, could be the theme. Um, pray that for yourself for other people and for our church as a whole. So let's just pause and do that.
God, as we regather, I, I want us to regather, God, from strength to strength as we root ourselves in you. But I'm also aware that we can't do that if we're all pretending that we're okay and then just kind of faking it to make it. We, we all need your healing touch. We need you to bind up wounds that have developed hardships that have left their mark on us, that have bruised us. And I pray especially for those in our community for whom this last year has left them in a place where they feel just bruised and weakened and just like a candle, you know, a smoldering wick, like almost to the edge of going out. God, that you would not only not... Um, God, I thank you that the promise is not that you would simply not break those people, that not put them out, but that you would actually rehabilitate them back to life. I pray for your grace and mercy on those who are walking through those paths in our church, even today, God. Amen. Um, I definitely, in some areas, feel like a bruised reed. Not broken, but bruised. I feel beat up and ground down in certain ways. There's been this um, long, I mean, I totally get the optics where you, one could imagine that the last year, year and a half for pastors and people in leadership has been relatively easier because you don't have certain programs, you're not jumping through certain hoops, you have less public responsibility. Um, and yet there's no doubt when I talk to other pastors, when I talk to people in leadership, it's been the most demanding year as we've navigated our own uncertainties and insecurities and challenges that God is putting on our lives and then helping people to do the same. And the pastoral intensity of a lot of those conversations have gone from three out of 10 to like eight, nine out of 10. And so I've been asking God, like, what do I need to do to allow myself to be strengthened by you during a season where I, I do feel tired and I feel weak and vulnerable in certain areas. Um, show me how to lead when I don't feel like I'm firing on all cylinders, when I, I, I don't have this like amazing blueprint for like, here's what's gonna happen over the next six months at our church and then two years and here's the five-year plan and when I don't have that and I've, I'm trusting in just trusting and obeying day by day, God, how do I open myself up to your grace? How do I help our church do the same? And this is where I think I came back to Hosea 6.1. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. You know, and then, I don't know, if you're like me, you can forget that the, the way forward is often the way back right, like return to the Lord. It's not about coming up with something new and novel and interesting and sparkly and um, innovative. It's like, let's return to the Lord. The way into what God is doing next is just to return to him and to abide in him and to live in him and to pursue him. And for some of us, that means returning and, and kind of, I've done that in certain areas of my life. I've returned to practices where I just got too fancy in certain areas or tried to be too innovative or tried to take on too much and just said, let's go back to the basics. What has helped me sustain a thriving relationship with Jesus and just cut out the other stuff? Not because it's bad, but it's just a distraction. It's not actually helping. 
And in, in other areas, it's, mean, it's meant returning to the Lord by integrating new practices, new emphases, new ways of praying and serving, new ways of engaging in a devotional time. So returning to the Lord doesn't always mean regressing back to what you did or just repeating old patterns, but it does mean saying, what does it look like for me to take an evaluation, do some spiritual spring cleaning and get rid of that which, or pause that. Maybe it's not even getting rid of something, but it's just pausing it so that I can move into a a season of greater clarity so that I can get re-rooted or rooted deeper in Christ so that the life of Jesus can flow from me to my core relationships, to my church, to my community. And during the season, I want to say it's important for us to return the Lord because return to the Lord because we're returning to church. But there's a danger here that we could, it's very possible that as a community we could return to church without returning to the Lord. Right? You could resume the, the pattern, the, f- the form, but not have the heart. And again, not because we're actively resisting God, but we're not paying attention to places of struggle and challenge. Maybe we're not lamenting certain things that we've lost. We're not actually turning and returning to God in the process. And I really want us to do that during this time. I don't want us to just simply... Um, resume the form of what we were doing as a church. Uh, I want us to come back to God like, like together. I know for many people this has actually been a time of strengthening a relationship with God in a personal level, but it's been a weakening at the community level because we haven't had as many touch points and times of encouragement. So even if we are in a place where personally we're like, I actually feel like I'm in a really good place with God. I'm trying to recognize that like that isn't happening or that needs to be strengthened at the community level. What are ways, and I'll invite your input on this and then we'll pray about this for about a minute. Um, what, are, what are ways that we can return to the Lord? I mean, I have ideas. I have things written down. But again, I think there's lots of wisdom in this room. Um, what have you found to be helpful um, to, that puts handles on this idea of returning to the Lord, where no one's going to disagree with that, but there might be people here being like, I don't really know what that means. Like, what are you saying? Like, what, what does that mean to you? Or what's been helpful to you as you've kind of wanted to refocus and get reset with God in your life? Awesome. So a time that is set aside, sanctified, as it were, right? To say, this is going to be a bit of an anchor to my day and evening. And using that as a, as a grounding to keep us coming back into Christ's presence and power. That's really good. Anyone else? Ray? Oh, habits. Sorry. I, okay. And w- but what habits, though? Like what for you? Well, uh, 
Yeah, I've, I've talked to a lot. I've talked to a lot of people, and enough to um, be able to say—not just recently, but maybe it's more pertinent uh, for my recent conversations. But yeah, there's definitely a correlation between getting up as a Christian and going into your day and just kind of being like, "Yeah, like at some time, at some point, I'll do this stuff, and it'll all—we'll just kind of like go with the flow." and spiritual drift and disconnection. I don't want you to hear that as like, oh, you have to hyper-schedule your whole day and be like hyper-structured, but we all know, and most people thrive with some kind of structure. And if we aren't putting certain habitual building blocks in place, Sunday morning worship, prayer time at a certain things, devotionals that have some kind of boundary markers and commitment to them, it's just easy for those to become loose, and then like a boat that's kind of unmoored from a dock, they just kind of float away, and before you know it, you're like, where'd my boat go? Like, I haven't, I haven't read scripture or engaged in any kind of intentional prayer for like weeks. I love that. I'm going to cut you off there because I think one of the things that I hear you saying that is so key is community. We need community to return to the Lord, right? It's, it's not just an individual thing where we just summon the willpower. We often, again, like last week, we need a community of people bringing us consistently into the presence of Jesus and encouraging us because we are going to have times where we are overwhelmed by the cares and worries of the world. And so we need good Christian friends to ground us. Let's take a moment and pray through this theme of how our church can return to the Lord stronger than ever. God, we do lift up this church to you and ask for your strengthening and your renewing power that as we regather as a church here on Sunday mornings, that you would help us to return to you and that in that process you would bind up wounds that you would do a work in and through our hearts. And not just us, God, but that through what you're doing in our church, 
through the faithful witness of your people, other people would come to know you. This would be a time not just of renewal and strengthening for our church, but a time of revival within our community, of people coming to surrender their hearts to Jesus. Amen. Um, I've started to garden. Very small, obviously. I'm not a green thumb at all. I know almost nothing, but it's teaching me a lot, especially as someone who by temperament wants to make things happen. Because for me, gardening is kind of like a spiritual discipline in that it teaches me that all I can really do is provide elements for growth. I can't kind of make the thing happen. And that's really, really useful as a pastor because whether you're talking about your own life or the spiritual vibrancy and health of a church, you just can't make it happen. All you can do is kind of seed the opportunity, seed and water, and then what feels really scary to really trust God and to acknowledge, I can't make these things happen. I can't make people return to the Lord. I can't make people want to love and be more faithful to Jesus. I can't make people want to pursue sanctification. I can't make people want to take their faith seriously. But I can do that myself. And then I can keep inviting people and sowing seeds of God's truth and God's word and seeds of love and community and care. All I can do and all mine is to do as a pastor is to put the elements in place for growth and vibrancy and then to trust God for growth, right? And I thought of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. Who's Apollos? Who's Paul, right? You had all these people being like, oh, like I, I follow these people. This person's like super amazing and you know, I, I'm kind of like the school of Paul. No, I'm the school of Apollos. And, and Paul's saying, we're just servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned each to his task. I planted the seed and Apollos watered it but God has been making it grow. Like God's the star. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And I thought, what does that look like for our church in the months ahead? Where I'm concerned about our church and I want us to build back strong and I want us to move forward in deep momentum. And yet there are different challenges that I think we're going to face as we do that. What's mine to do? And for me, I've just prioritized certain habits of heart, soul, mind, and strength, at least for the summer, and I'll share them with you now. I'm reading through Emotionally Healthy Discipleship by Peter Cesaro. Um, I find that book to be really, really helpful in terms of having a deeper, facilitating a deeper and more meaningful connection in my relationship with God and my ability to love and care for other people. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, maybe it's the gardening thing, but I'm trying to slow down and I'm doing that by writing out notes and all my sermons by hand. I'm, I'm not cutting corners. Uh, I love being efficient. I like getting stuff done. But I'm trying across a number of domains in my devotional life, in my sermon preparation, in my study, in my discussions with people, take lots of notes. Slow the process down. Pray through it. In my mind, my devotional life, learning about God, I'm trying to... I've often done devotional reading plans where I'm covering a lot of ground, drinking from a fire hydrant, and I really feel like God's inviting me this summer to say, just go back to like a simple devotional you used when you were a teenager. And so I did. I subscribed to Every Day with Jesus by Sylvan Hughes, which is an awesome devotional. You can get it from, through Crosswalk. It'll just be delivered. Little Bible reading, little, ref, little reflection, that's it. But that was really formative for me as a teenager. I, I did Every Day with Jesus for about four years. And um, 
it's been great to kind of return to that, not just that practice of how I did devotions then, but that actual devotional anchor and to be strengthened in the Lord through it. And then in the area of strength and serving, just really talking with my wife and with other Christian leaders about what does a sustainable rhythm look like moving forward for me, especially moving into a season where ministry demands, in a sense, are ramping up, and yet I find myself quite tired. But I've also thought about, like, what does that mean for us as a church? I know I sometimes share what I'm working through, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I do that as an invitation for you to think about it and consider it and ponder what that might look like for you. And I, I don't want to be that pastor who's like, oh, I'm doing these things, you should do this book, and this is how you should do your devotions. Um, I know that God deals with us each at the individual level, but I think as we regather as a church, and as we rebuild as a church, there's a really important opportunity before us to do some together projects. We just did one in May, the big give. We weren't really like together, but for one month we said, let's try, I just invite you to give above and beyond. And we raised like over $24,000 to a whole bunch of ministries. That was awesome. That gave me a sense of like, yeah, this is awesome. We're on the same page. And then June, we sort of regathered together in part, and that's been great. And for July, I'm gonna be inviting us to participate in the Global Church United Prayer Focus. Beth Moore out of Living Proof Ministries is organizing a very simple prayer focus where you pray for a certain topic, a certain country of the world every day for the month of July, super simple. I'll send out all the info when she releases it in a few days on her site. But I want us to do that together. And I wanna do that at least for the rest of 2021, to have a monthly theme, something that's accessible, that um, is, yeah, something that everybody in our church, young or old, new to faith, established, can participate in, that you know, even though we're pursuing God in our own individual ways, that we're doing something that's together, that we are returning to the Lord. And next month, we're gonna be focused on prayer and praying around the same things every day. Because I see that as kind of like a community rehabilitation exercise. They have these group physiotherapy classes where you don't just have like a one-on-one thing, but you learn as a group to strengthen certain ligaments and tendons and muscles together. And I think that's what we need to be doing, at least for the rest of 2021. But all that being said, I don't want to come up with all those ideas on my own. Because you're just going to get sort of my bias and be subject to my blind spot. So if you have an idea and maybe it relates to heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can use that as a template to think through something that's kind of relational focused or prayer and worship focused or learning about the Bible focused or serving and giving focused. Use that to say, what's something that we could do for a month that could be cool? Maybe we're gonna take a month and say this month, maybe it's in September, we're gonna advertise all kinds of ways that we're going to encourage and bless students and young adults in our church. That's our, that's our community focus for all of September. I don't really care. I just want us to have sort of kind of like a missional, in-house, binding together, returning to the Lord together focus. If you have an idea, please email me. Let me know. I would love to be able to say, I had some ideas. They're terrible compared to these ideas that we got from you guys. Let's do it. I think that would be awesome. And it'll increase our ownership too. So as we regather, as we come together, and as we prepare for a time of communion, hear these verses again. The promises for the moment, the promises for you if you're in a place where you're feeling bruised and weakened and vulnerable. God promises to repay for the years the locusts have eaten. 
The invitation is come, let us as a church return to the Lord. Because he has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. And the great heart and promise of Jesus is that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And maybe it's in these times of weakness and vulnerability and brokenness that you can hear these truths clearly for the first time. If nothing else, I mean, they point to why we're even able to return to the Lord and experience restoration at all. Jesus was the reed that was broken for you. Jesus was the wick who actually allowed his own light to go out on the cross so that you could have light and life and not have to walk in spiritual darkness anymore. Jesus was the one who allowed himself to be torn to pieces in order for us to be healed. On the cross, he was injured in order for our wounds to be healed. When sin and death had eaten up the possibility of life um, in communion with God and with our God-given destiny, Jesus, through his death, opened a door so that we could experience restoration. And he said all of this so that we can actually return to him, not just as individuals, but as a church. So if you've never placed your faith in Christ, now is the time to do it. This is the season. And if you've wandered, if you've become numb or indifferent or complacent, now is the time to turn and seek him in earnest. Let us come to his table remembering that he has a special place in his heart for bruised and battered and broken and smoldering things. Let's pray. Jesus, as we come to your table, by your spirit, would you build and strengthen your church for your name's sake and for your glory, for the advance of your kingdom and your agenda. Amen. The Gospels tell us that on the first day of the week, the, the day the Lord rose from the dead, he appeared to some of his disciples and was made known to them in the breaking of bread. And it's true for us as well. Christ is made known to us as we break the bread and drink the cup together. Brothers and sisters, this is food for the journey to which God has called us. Let our lives be nourished by the Lord himself as we celebrate together at this table. Our communion elements are a little tricky. There's kind of like a translucent thin layer on top that you have to peel back first to access the bread and then peel back the purple handle layer for the juice. The Apostle Paul tells us that on the night on which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Paul goes on to tell us in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul then reminds us that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we actually proclaim the death of Jesus until he comes again. This is the Lord's table. It is Jesus himself who invites you to this meal. And this table is open to all who believe and have professed faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, you are blessed. You are worthy of honor and praise and glory forever and ever. Feed now your people as we move out of and into a challenging new season for us as a church. Give us grace, give us power, give us a vision of who you are 
but more importantly, every day, help us to feed on you. Feed on your truth, your grace, your love. We humble ourselves before you, not just as individuals, but as a church this morning, and ask for your restoring power. The bread symbolizing Christ's body given to you. Take, eat, and be thankful. The juice symbolizing Christ's blood shed for you, blood that gives life and nourishes hope. Take, drink, and be thankful. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. May he strengthen bruised reeds and smoldering wicks within our midst. I invite you to stand as you're able and let's sing the doxology. I forgot to cue Rick up the doxology. I don't even think it's on the screen. So if you know it, sing it. If you don't, hum it. We're allowed to sing it right at the end because everyone's gonna be leaving and it's gonna disperse. It's totally legit, don't worry. <laughs> but also don't tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May the grace and peace and blessing of God the Father Almighty, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you all as you move into this new week. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless, guys. Stay cool today. Good to see everyone.